You're listening to the Film Festival Secrets Podcast. I'm Chris Holland. This is one of the pilot episodes of a new season of the podcast. I'm currently holding a fundraising campaign to pay for a full new season, which will precede the release of the second edition of my book, Film Festival Secrets, a handbook for independent filmmakers. You can learn more about that at getmoresecrets.com. Uh, if you become a part of the community while the campaign's still running, you can listen in on these podcast episodes as they're being recorded and ask questions of my guests. I'd like to thank Seed and Spark and Film Freeway for their early support of the campaign, and I'd like to thank all of the partner festivals and uh, backers so far for jumping in and helping us get to 96% of the goal. Uh, so you've got a couple days left to pledge. Uh, please jump on in. Uh, if it's too late, you can also uh, look at getmoresecrets.com and see how to pre-order the second edition of the book, even if you missed the campaign. My guest today is Jared Neese, who's been with the South by Southwest Film Festival for 13 years, since 2002. Uh, he's the festival's producer and senior programmer, uh, and he oversees the film festival and conference and manages the daily festival operations. Uh, you'll also find him on juries and advisory boards for festivals like Cannes, Sundance, Fantastic Fest. Uh, you can see him around numerous film conferences. And he's also the co-founder and editor of the popular Austin food blog, tacojournalism.com. We're going to talk about all of those things, including his new upcoming book, The Tacos of Texas. Uh, but we're also going to talk about film festivals, too. My official title is uh, producer and senior programmer. Uh, the producer part is just uh, I've been here a long time and I know stuff and uh, I try to help people out when I can and take on a lot of uh, things myself, uh, you know, production-wise um, and then other aspects of the job. Uh, there's a lot of people here. Not, not, there's not too many people, but there's, uh, we have about nine or ten full-time employees at South by Southwest Film. Um, about 120 or plus for the whole company. Um, for the programmer side, uh, senior programmer, again, it just means I've been here a long time. Uh, our programming crew is Janet Pearson, who's the head of the festival, Jim Colmar, myself, uh, and Claudette Godfrey are the, are the main programmers. Claudette Godfrey focuses on the short films. Um, Jim Colmar focuses on docs and all the international submissions. Uh, and I focus a lot on narrative uh, features and genre films. Uh, but that said, we all program a little bit of everything. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, we're not a, uh, we're not writing code. We're not that kind of programmer. We're just uh, watching films and uh, using um, our knowledge to figure out which ones will work best for the festival each year. Each year we get about 7,500 submissions. Uh, that breaks down to about 5,000 short films, 2,500 feature films, and that's a mix of docs and doc and narrative. Um, yeah. So uh, you also used to be involved with the conference. Are you still uh, intimately involved there or, or, or not so much? Yeah, Austin Noward is our conference uh, uh, manager. Uh, a lot of the programmers, uh, in addition to watching films, we also help program the conference. Um, you know, we use, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the panel picker. Uh, we also uh, curate ideas based on what we see the needs are, uh, depending on what the panel picker gives. We're actively looking for figuring out what, uh, or who our keynote should be each year, what, you know, and then we, programming the films, we try to see tie-ins based on that uh, content, depending on, you know, maybe a director would be good for a conversation or we do cast and crew panels. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, we're all involved in the conference programming. Austin definitely heads that up. Tell people exactly what the panel picker is. Uh, the panel picker is an online um, kind of a, a crowdsourced uh, um, submission tool that we use for to help us pick our, our conference sessions each year. It started in 2007 with the interactive conference using it. Um, it from there, uh, we started using it. We being film and, and music conferences started using it. Uh, in about 2010, officially. And it's a way that we uh, reach out to people we know, people we don't know, um, past panelists, filmmakers, people who have attended the conference, um, you know, and then just any, anyone else can submit an idea for what they think a, a good panel session would be. 
at South by Southwest, be it in film, interactive music, education. Um, and, you know, that, that breaks down to, we have about, uh, it breaks down to 40% of the vote comes from our advisory board, which are people that we trust in each of these conferences or people we respect, uh, filmmakers, people in the, in the film business, the interactive world. They're just uh, the advisory board, the people that we kind of look to to say, you know, maybe they know things that we don't know about in certain areas. And then 30% of that, uh, the score comes from the staff, which is the internal staff. We voted on all the panel sessions too. And then the other 30% comes from the general public. So it's a mix of, of those three groups of people who kind of choose the panels. And ultimately, we are the ones deciding, uh, kind of curating all that content into each of our conferences. Um, you know, the interactive conference uses the panel picker for for majority of their conference programming for the film festival uh i would say it's about 40 to 50 percent of our conference programming and then um the music and education conferences also use the panel picker and i'm, I'm not sure the, the percentage of their entries that come from that uh but yeah it's been great it's been you know ways to find new people new voices it's not you know we were doing you know for many years it was just kind of copy and paste same panels every year same speakers and it was a way to open it up to a larger audience and you know everyone sitting in a panel room you know it's like oh i can't believe they did this i wish i could i could do something way better and so we're like okay we'll send us that idea and you know it's right. been a way put your money where your mouth is sure it sounds like it go either way to make your job easier or harder but either way it's more interesting absolutely yeah um how has the panel picker changed since you first introduced it in 2007 uh, I think the interface gets better every year. Um, you know, before it was just one guy, a kind of a friend of the festival who built it for us. And it was pretty DIY, like everything here at South by, I think every year it gets a little bit better. We, we kind of streamlined the questions and, you know, some years I think there may have been more questions and maybe too many questions kind of, there's like a huge kind of hurdle to get over to submit your panel. I think, I think we've ended up with a pretty, a pretty good, subset of questions that we ask people panel title the, a brief description of what the panel will be some questions that will be answered who the speakers will be you know we want to see diversity in the panels we want to see diversity in the speakers uh, we're looking for advanced sessions you know solo sessions which are just you know someone giving a presentation we're looking for you know all kind of different things and you can you can submit meetup ideas you can submit you know uh we have a lot of different opportunities for us to get ideas uh, and content through the panel picker. And yeah, I think the way it's changed is it, it's got better every year. I don't know if there's a way to, I think we get more submissions every year too. So that, that maybe is a thing that it's changed. But. Yeah. I think the word has gotten out that um, it's, it's something you can do now, yeah. you know, early on, certainly when I submitted my first panel picker proposal and it got selected, like, I don't think the competition was, was quite as fierce. So sure. Um, you know, that's not to say I was a terrible panelist. <laughs> and, you know, I, I actually really enjoyed the opportunity to say, here's what I know, and here are the people I can, I can bring to bear on this topic. Do you have a favorite panel uh, that got selected out of the panel picker? <laughs> um, I'd probably say, you know, every year people tell us, oh, you should do this or you should do that. I think one maybe drunk night at Fantastic Fest, Tim League was like, man, you should you should do a, like a drunk panel and get all the distributors drunk. And that way they'll tell you all their secrets because they never tell anyone any secrets, but maybe if they get them drunk, they'll, they'll like open up. And so uh, due to certain laws, TABC, we had to call it the highly spirited panel and it, it did end up happening. Um, and we, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it was, it was great. I think there, it was definitely funny. Uh, it was interesting. There was a few distributors, Tim League, Matt Dindler, Tom Quinn, Dustin um, from then Roadside Attractions. Uh, it got crazy. And, and the one thing uh, we didn't realize or we didn't really think about was the, the uh, when you have a drunk panel, you end up with drunk panelists. And so <laughs> <laughs> the po post, uh, post, post panel, uh, there was some meeting for, you know, taking care of people more than we would for, you know, just a normal panel session. And, uh, but anyway, I think it was one of our better, more unique things we've ever done. Yeah. Do you know that's available to see online anywhere? I don't believe so. I think that Tim Lee may bought all the rights and destroyed them. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's but if you were, yeah, you had to be there kind of thing. 
Yeah, fun man. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the film selection. Remind me, as I did not write that number down, how many submissions you got to get every year? Last year it was 7,500. Wow. We usually see about a, a 10% increase, so we will see if that continues. Yeah. And as recently as a couple of years ago, um, most of that was coming in on DVD. Isn't that right? Sure. DVD, uh, that was the main form of entry for, for many years. When I started, it was VHS uh, and then moved into DVD. And now it's solely links. We don't accept any, any hard media. Uh, it's all preferably Vimeo links. Uh, we don't say only Vimeo links, but uh, we feel that that's the best uh, way for us to watch films and for workflows and, and things like that. We, we, we recommend Vimeo. Oh, you sound like such an old man talking about VHS. <laughs> yeah, I know. We had all these, these shelves. We would hold all the VHS tapes in in our office. And then we were like, oh, we got to build more shelves. But then the next year we got DVDs and it was like, you know, we could we could store twice as many films by DVD. So right, yeah, and that seemed like an advance, and it was. Um, I know that in recent years <clears throat> at festivals I've worked for and with, um, it was just getting harder and harder to get people, you know, volunteer screeners to come in and pick up DVDs because they knew that watching films online was was an option. Yeah, it's changed a lot in our workflow, especially. I mean, you know, when we see something we like, we just take the link and we send it to, you know four or six screeners that we feel like would would be good to watch this mm -hmm. in the past in the past it was you know here's a batch of films go and watch them bring them back two weeks later you know maybe there's some good stuff in there but we won't know for two weeks uh, but now the process is is speeded up really you know infinitely quicker because as soon as something is good that we see um or, or one of our screeners watches uh, it kind of you know it comes to the top of the of the pile and we start getting additional watches on it so uh, the good things are, are known much quicker. Do you feel like that fills up your virtual like list of things we're definitely going to play a lot faster? Because um, one thing I've always said to filmmakers is it's a lot harder to get programmed later in the, in the process because the programmers have already fallen in love with something. True. That is, we definitely, you know, we have to slow down a little bit because in the past it was like, as soon as something was good, we were like, okay, let's, let's maybe invite it or, or, and now we have to kind of take a beat because, you know, we are seeing things in a different way and we may, we should, you know, we try to, the way we do it is we want to see everything that's on the table before we make our selection. Cause we're only taking 120 to 150 feature films, uh, 110 to 130 short. Uh, and so there's a lot of things out there. And then, yes, we do get a lot of things at the end, you know, um, that are just being finished and you know, the numbers, the percentage wise of, of what is chosen based on when it is submitted is, um, you know, there's definitely a higher percentage of the things that come in in November are, are accepted based on the number of things that came in in June. Um, so, you know, we just say only submit your film one time and submit it whenever it's ready. If it's ready in June and that's it, you're not going to do anything else then submit it then. You know, if you're don't submit, you know, a rough cut in June and think you're going to work for four months and keep working on it. Um, we'd rather you send it in in the late, you know, in November, whenever you're ready to go. And this is the best thing you can send us. And then if you need a couple week extension because, you know, you really need to get finished, whatever you need to finish on your film, you know, then send it in. But don't don't wait for your color correction and things like that to to ask for a month extension. And don't ask for us for an extension in December when your film's been finished for a year. Um, you know, the, the extensions we give are based on films that are just still being worked on and uh, the newer things. So if your film's done, you please submit it by the deadline, which is November 1st this year. Early on in the process, when you first open up your call for submissions, um, is it just the, is it basically the four or five of you hitting the submissions raw or do you wait until um, your volunteer screeners can have a chance to, to look at it for you? Uh, we've actually talked a lot about that this year because, you know, they're all, we, we have a, a finite number of people that we trust to watch these movies and uh, that we trust their taste that, you know, over the years we've, we've, we've uh, accumulated um, around a hundred screeners and these are filmmakers, friends, uh, you know, professors, just people we, we, um, we trust their taste in film and we, we think they know what we're looking for. Um, we start, we start watching now. We've been watching uh, for the past month uh, 
uh, all, mostly all of us have, have are pretty deep in. And then when we watch something, it, it helps with this, the watch numbers that are needed, um, the total watch numbers, because, um, you know, one, one film needs to be watched at least two times by screeners, uh, or, or we can accept or, or, or get rid of a film based on one of the senior programmer, like myself and Claudette and Jim and Janet. Um, if we're watching it and we know it's very good or we know it's, it's really not going to work, then that's going to save, you know, two watches down the road for our screeners. And because there aren't, you know, we don't have this huge um, bank of people who, who can watch films for us. We try to watch as many as we can. Uh, I know that, you know, we're, we're doing, all, you know, we're, we're still working full-time jobs during the fest. I mean, right now we're working nine to five and then, you know, at home, you know, we're watching movies on nights and weekends and that starts now all the way through January. So, you know, a lot of movies need to be watched. So we're just watching as many as we can. The screeners are watching as many as they can. And uh, each year it just, it works out. What's your policy on uh, folks sending in a later version of their film? Maybe they figure out that if they just take out this one minute, the film is way better. Can they send you the new version or how does that work? They can ask for sure. Um, depending on what time of year it is, what, uh, what status their film is. If, you know, if it's something that we really liked and, you know, we'd like to see a new cut then we will accept it. It's, it's a case by case basis. Uh, we try not to accept too many things just because of the number. And if everyone sent us a new cut, you know, that's goes from 7,500 things to worry about to 15,000. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a lot of, a lot of information and data and, uh, if ever we can't let everyone sit a, a new cut, but if you feel that it, it really needs, you know, something happened or, you, you know, you cut something out and you, or you rework something that you think makes a big difference and you can definitely ask us. Yeah. I feel like the, the standard answer to that question has always been, well, sure you can send it. We might, might not get to it, but, um, there have been a number of festivals, I think yours included, where the official language is, you know, just send us the one cut and we're not going to watch anything else. Um, and I can understand how there might be leeway on a case-by-case basis, but that, that gets crazy, especially with the, the digital, you know, being able to replace a digital version so quickly. Um, I think those requests come a little, a little faster these days, a little more often. Sure. Uh, so you mentioned uh, genre films as one of the sections that you're involved in programming. Um, what is it that uh, you're looking for in a genre film? Because it's hard to think of uh, a territory there that hasn't been trodden over and over and over again. Sure, that, that is true. Um, you know, being that we only play uh, a smaller number of genre films than, say, a... Uh, um, you know, a fantastic fest or sitches or one of the bigger genre fests where they're playing, you know, all hundred and plus films that they're playing is our genre films. For us, it's, you know, we have the 10 film at night section and then we play genre films, you know, throughout the other programs. So, you know, it could be between, you know, 10 to, to 30 genre films in the program each year. Uh, we definitely, you know, we find that the genre filmmaking, uh, you know, that that category does tend to lend itself to a little bit more newer ideas or fresh voices or things happening that are, that are new. And then, and there's definitely, you know, there's a lot of zombies. There's a lot of people trying to make movies in the woods. There's a lot of raping. There's a lot of, you know, things. I, I guess we should qualify here that genre films are horror, sci-fi, fantasy, things that are outside the realm of sort of real world drama, right? Sure. Yeah, they have some sort of fantasy, horror, sci-fi element to them. That's that would be a, a genre film. Wait, the way the film festival world says it. You know, some years we we play films with you know zombies, or there, there's you know there's there's just so many um, different ways to to program you know a ten film section based on all these things we get. It's just you know we want a diverse group from different. You know, we try to get you know not things from New York and LA. We try to get things that are made by female filmmakers. We want things that, um, you know, fresh voices, weird things, you know, things that make us uncomfortable. Uh, you know, there's all kind of, uh, that, that program is, is really fun to, 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 uh, to watch all the submissions for. There's a lot of good stuff coming in. You mentioned wanting to find things from outside the usual sources. Um, are there any, 
sort of unusual sources that are that are kind of blowing up right now. There are countries or um, regions of the U.S. and something where you're going, wow, there's a really great stuff coming out of this city. What the heck is going on there? Sure. Um, I think uh, for genre films, Spain has always uh, ha has been kind of uh, had a lot of cool, interesting things coming out of it. South America, Argentina and Chile, especially, you know, and then there's, uh, you know, the typical New York and L.A. guys. But there's there's people, there's fresh voices in those cities, too. Um, you know, uh, you know, somebody like Joel Patikaris from, uh, you know, I think he's in Rapid, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, you know, who made Buzzard. And so we're just trying to find and then there's just. You know, I don't, maybe, you know, Korea for sure. South Korea has a lot of cool, um, interesting work. Yeah, those, those are the main ones that come to the top of my head. So I've got a question uh, from Christian Kaniga uh, to ask if South by Southwest is very U.S. slanted. How many U.S. films uh, get, how many, sorry, films from outside the U.S. get programmed as opposed to domestic stuff? We definitely play a lot of U.S. indie films. Uh, we play, you know, films from U.S. distributors. Uh, those are our bigger films, like like this year, Trainwreck, and, uh, you know, th the bigger films are, are usually the U.S. studio-based films. Uh, our competitions are mainly U.S. The, the 10 films and the, and the doc and the narrative competitions are... But, but we have played film like 10,000 Kilometers, which was a Spanish film in there. Uh, we have a whole section that Jim Colmar programs called South by Global, and that's 10 films from 10 different countries every year. Our vision section is our more experimental or, or newer kind of unique voices. Uh, that's a very diverse program that, that's from all over the place. Yeah, there's definitely, we, we're open to seeing films from anywhere, uh, you know, any country, any any genre. Every year we try to do outreach to different countries uh, to, to increase the number of submissions we get so that we can have, have more things to choose from. Um, but we're really just basing it on, you know, we, we look at everything and then we do want to find that diversity. We want to have Spanish language films. We want to have, you know, films with filmmakers of color. We want to have, uh, you know, we want to have things from all over the place. Is it mainly U.S.? Absolutely. But we, we are looking every year for a diversity in our programming and we want things from all over the place. So you mentioned South by Global or South by Vision sort of as uh subsections within your programming where does that kind of section come from like how does it get created well the sections are just a way to you know digest all the films we're playing um obviously the two competition sections are the are the you know we we think it, it, it's hard to actually say what it, there's no clear and cut guidelines it's usually first second time filmmakers the you know, we want people, it's more of a discovery in the, in the competition sections. It's, you're not going to usually find very big names. Uh, maybe there'll be an actor here and there. Um, and those are mainly, then that, that lends itself to the spotlight sections, which are doc and our narrative spotlights, which are the more higher profile films, films that filmmakers have been making films for a while, films that have a, a bigger cast um, attached to it. The headliners are the eight big, you know, big films that we call them the uh, the opening night film, the closing night film, the films like, the, you know, the big studio films like Trainwreck or MacGruber or whatever the films we're playing that year, which are our, our big kind of headliner films. Uh, we have a music documentary section, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's it's the music docs, which we also play narratives in there too. Just It's called 24 Beach. Um, because the South by Southwest started as a music festival, we have a lot of music programming um, in all, all the sections. And so that is a way that uh, we, we kind of handle that. Uh, the South by Global is 10 films that Jim Colmore has had programs and that he tries to just, uh, he's looking for really cool, uh, you know, it, you know, really just interesting things from all over uh, that it, there's not a really a premier status, uh, you know, guidelines for that. He, he's just looking for things that he really likes and th that's a really interesting section. Um, and then the visions, uh, you know, that's just, you know, we're trying to find, you know, films that are just a little crazier, a little weirder, um, more unique. There's something new or, you know, exciting about them. Um, and that's what that section is for. And then obviously the midnight section are the genre films. Um, and so, yeah, the, the sections come about because, uh, you know, we feel that, that these are the, the, the kind of the breadth of programming we want to, um, to, to showcase. And, uh, you know, it, it's not a hard and fast number for each section. We, we we keep it a little, except for the doc, the competition, which is ten films of each uh, each year. We try to, 
you know, if there's, you know, a couple, you know, if there's more visions than festival favorites, and then festival favorites is another category, just films we've seen at other festivals that we like. And so there's just, it kind of fluctuates uh, more here, more there, uh, more in one section, more than the other, depending on the year, depending on what's submitted. But what, what's the what's the impetus for creating a section around something? Like, I, I, I would think you'd always be looking for something weird and interesting, and you'd always be looking for stuff internationally. Like, what purpose does codifying the... It, it has a section served. Why do you have a section for that and not a section for social issue documentaries? Like, how, what makes you sit down and go, okay, we need a section for this? Yeah, I mean, these have kind of uh, evolved over time. They are uh, the, the the kind of the tent poles that we want to highlight at our festival. Obviously, the music documentaries, uh, the, the genre films, the two competitions, the, the spotlight films, the headliners. Um, you know, we play, yes, our documentaries are a little bit more uh, pop culture, character-driven than social issue. Uh, we still do play social issue docs, but um, I would say we tend to, to skew more towards the character-driven docs. Um, you know, it's just, if we just put 150 films out there and we're like, here, here's our program, uh, we just think it would be a little bit too much information. Like it's, we, we want people, you know, there's a lot of things happening at South by Southwest. There's a lot of music, a lot of conferences, a lot of conference sessions, uh, a lot of parties, a lot of everything. So it's just anytime that we can um, find a way to make it easier for people to understand what we're doing, I think helps. Uh, so making the, the individual sections, I think for any festival, it's just a way to kind of steer people to find films that they like. If you like genre films and you look here for that, uh, you know, if you want to look for music documentaries, you can see that here. If you want more to be more of the commercial product and not the things that are too weird or obscure, you'll, you'll stick in the spotlight and headliners. And so, you know, it's a way to, to digest all that. And it's also a way for you to find films that you like based on what you like. Uh, gotcha. So it's it's sort of a, a handle for the audience who might be looking for a particular kind of film, but you can't exactly express that by calling it, I mean, categorizing it beyond narrative feature gets kind of hard depending, you know, on how quote unquote indie it is, right? Sure, sure. Um, it also might be a way to keep yourself honest and say, this is what we're about. This is what we want to program. And if we have to you know, make sure we have a certain number of things in each of these categories that, you know, make, make sure that we're paying enough attention to that thing that we've said to the public, this is important to us. Right. So, and, and just to, to clarify about, we have about 40 international features every year. So about a third of the program is international. Gotcha. So uh, Destry in the um, peanut gallery asks or says, South by Southwest has a good history with discovering great women-directed films. Is there anything special the festival does to discover new work by women? Um, we definitely are looking to, you know, the, the what we're getting, what we're looking in the submissions, and we're looking for female filmmakers. We're looking for filmmakers of color. We're looking for filmmakers that aren't from New York and L.A. We, we want a diversity in the program in a lot of different areas. Um, and, you know, I think Janet Pearson uh, in particular uh, wants to make sure that every year we have a diversity in the number of female filmmakers we have. And we, we keep a tally every year and not just across in, in each, uh, you know, in the features of the shorts, it's, it's in each section. So we want like, you know, the, the narrative competition, the doc competition. We want every section to have a diversity. Um, and the way we find them is, you know, we, you know, we have open submissions. We are looking for, you know, we, we have... You know, we're always looking for new voices, new, new filmmakers of, of, you know, female filmmakers, male filmmakers, anything. We're looking for just new voices in, in all kind of areas. Um, you know, there's not like a, you know, a way that we're looking just for female filmmakers. But, you know, we do have a history of, of programming films from uh, new and, uh, you know, veteran female filmmakers. Uh, Maybe that shows people that, that you know we're uh, you know we're open to having more films by female filmmakers. But we are, are always looking for new voices th throughout the throughout the program. Uh, 
I know that Claudette, you know, wants to program films by female filmmakers. And, you know, there's definitely, you know, this just a way like, uh, you know, and we try to support them throughout their career. Uh, they, they hopefully come back to us and or they may go and, and get big and go somewhere else. But, uh, you know, a film like, you know, a short film she programmed a couple of years ago called Sequin Rays uh, ended up being, uh, you know, kind of the the starting point for the for the show on on the Lifetime Network called Unreal. And uh, so there's, you know, we have a history of, you know, a film like Lee Janiak who did Honeymoon a couple of years ago was a genre filmmaker. And now she's going to be doing the remake of The Craft. Um, you know, we, we love seeing filmmakers starting here and going on to other things. And yes, we definitely want to continue to promote female filmmakers and and in, uh, in, in all, all the areas in the festival. Speaking of Claudette and Jim, who you mentioned earlier, I see they're both uh, logged in and presumably listening. Uh, if they, they, they want to chime in on something that they either agree or disagree on, they're, they're welcome to do so. They can uh, poke me in the Q&A section, and I can either read what they've said or I can promote them to panelists. It's totally up to them and up to you. Yeah, please. Chris. You should you should poke Chris. Yes. Well, to make sure they're ready, ready <laughs> willing to join. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure they'll poke you if they have something to say. Well, uh, there's a question about short film here, so I think I'll ask that, and if Claudette wants to jump in, um, we'll, we'll get there. Um, and we're also going to talk about sort of decision-making, um, which we sort of skimmed over before, but I definitely want to ask, ask more about that. Uh, so anonymous attendee, who apparently did not want to be singled out, asks, uh, how long do you want a short film to be for acceptance? Well, official, the, the official answer, I mean, uh, short films or films under 40 minutes. Uh, do we play that many 39-minute short films? Not very many. Um, you know, I think... Uh, and I, I think Claudette would agree that, you know, the majority of short films we play are between five and 12 minutes. Um, there's definitely room for longer short films. There's definitely a film should be right linked for the content, says Claudette. And I think that's a very good answer. Uh, but yes, you know, we also have a medium cool section where we play, you know, longer shorts in a, in a, in a program with like two to three shorts. Uh, you know, but so, yeah, we're only playing, you know, a few of the longer, longer form short films. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Claudette programs about 13 short film uh, sections. That's Those are narrative, documentary, animated, music videos, midnight shorts. And um, the longer it is, the better it has to be. And that's what she says, too, which is also true. You know, every minute has to count in a short film program. There can't be a lot of fluff. And, uh, you know, she is watching a lot of movies, a lot of films. Uh, and so, you know, yeah. Uh, if it needs to be 23 minutes, then it should be 23 minutes. But if it's a 12-minute film hiding in a 23-minute film, then you should figure that part out. So our anonymous attendee, maybe the same one, uh, asks, how do you make your final, final decisions? Uh, the final, final decisions are made by the four programmers, myself, Claudette, Jim, and Janet. Um, you know, I, I make the final decisions for the Midnighters. Jim makes the final decisions for the Global. Um, and Claudette makes the final decision for all the short films. Uh, we we collaborate on the rest of the programming. Uh, Janet obviously makes a lot of decisions. Uh, you know, she works with all of us. And, you know, uh, and then we have some advanced screeners. Uh, when I say advanced, I mean people who are watching a lot of films that have been doing it for a long time that we really trust. Uh, they're also, you know, we, we, we get their feedback too. Um, but the people making the final decisions are the four of us. Okay. Um, South by Film is part of the larger South by Southwest, you know, conference, which includes um, obviously music and interactive, but also um, all kinds of educational and um eco and yep. sports and how much um, of the requirements or the desires of those different departments do you guys have to take into account uh, when programming? How much interaction happens there? Uh, we meet with the music festival uh, to go over all the music films we have, you know, because they, they have a better insight on, you know, maybe 
niche artists that we aren't aware of. Uh, you know, we definitely want them to watch our music documentaries and music-based films to help us and, you know, give us, you know, their, you know, because they're coming at it from a different angle than we are. Um, you know, all the, all the tech-related really tech related films, uh, you know, we try to run by our interactive department. Uh, we South by Southwest EDU is an education conference that happens before South by Southwest, and they have a, a, a small film component that we that they are definitely working with us collaborating on. Uh, every year we probably do one secret film uh, with South by Southwest EDU, a film that's going to premiere at South by Southwest proper. Um, you know, uh, South by Southwest Eco Place Films, uh, you know, it's... Uh, we, we like, you know, everyone, but we're also, you know, looking for at South by Southwest EDU, we're asking them about maybe conference people that we, that they know of. So it's, it's a very collaborative environment through all the conferences. We have meetings, uh, you know, the convergence department is a, is a, is a, uh, a group within our festival that kind of, uh, has members from all the conferences that meet and talk about things. And, you know, because there's so much going on and, um, you know, there's so many, so many ways to, to be involved at South by Southwest. Uh, you know, we want to, we want insight from everyone, but ultimately, you know, there's no, we have to take X number of this because, or, you know, it's, it's just, we are programming the the film festival and we are looking at to the other departments for, for insight and feedback. Um, but it, it ultimately it just comes down to what's going to work for the festival and, and what, what the best films uh, were that were submitted. And nobody buys you lunch in order to make sure their favorite film gets in. They can buy us lunch to make sure we listen to them, but I don't think nobody, <laughs> there's just too many people. I mean, you know, we have, you know, we have friends that make films every year that we can't play. We can't, uh, you know, it's just, we have to just stick to playing the films that are right for us this year or that year, whatever year it is. Um, and, uh, yeah, if we just if people bought us lunch, it would it wouldn't be very very good. Uh, so if a this is Bobby who's asking if a, uh-huh. a documentary is shown at South by Southwest Eco, uh, which is in November, is it then disqualified for South by Southwest film in March? I think it's usually the other way around. I think if a film plays South by Southwest, that it has an opportunity to play at South by Southwest Eco. Uh, as far as I know, there aren't many films premiering at South by Southwest Eco. They're more just showcasing films that, um, you know, are fitting in with their programming. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that said, yes, if a film plays in Austin before South by Southwest film, the nine days of our film festival, it is not eligible. And that can be at South by Southwest Eco. It could be at, uh, you know, Austin Film Festival, Fantastic Fest, any, any place where it's a, it had a, it had a proper uh, public screening. Um, it's not eligible for South by Southwest. Could you explain why that is? Because I think people don't understand sort of the, the regional premiere requirement a lot of the time. Well, it's just, there's, you know, only so many films and there has to be some sort of, you know, if we played 10 things that Austin Film Festival played or Fantastic Fest played and, you know, then it's, there's, there's 100, you know, there's 7,500 films and we're only taking, you know, a little over 200 of those. So, you know, there's just way too much content to, um, to be doubling up on things and, um, you know, that's just, that's, that's actually the only requirement we have for premiere status. Like, unless the, it's a competition, we, we do require world premiere for our, our, our narrative and doc competitions. Um, you know, that said, we've played a film that played Fantastic Fest, uh, you know, one or two times. Uh, maybe we've played something that played Austin Film Festival in the past. Uh, you know, it's, it's, if, the, if the right film makes sense for whatever reason, you know, we'll, we'll consider it. But, but that's usually... Uh, a deal breaker if they already played in Austin. Yeah, it's it's unusual, and there's only one film I can think of that South by and Austin Film Festival have played, and that was Frog Jesus, um, well, which I mean, was a minute, yeah a minute long, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you're not giving up a whole lot to play that one again, especially the the bang that you get for that buck. Yes, uh, indeed. Short films. Uh, <laughs> Max asks. I have two short films that I made this past year. Should I submit them at the same time or stagger them and submit one per year? Your call. Um, and Claudette does love Frog Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> if you if you have two short films that are ready, then submit them. I mean, you don't have to wait. Uh, you know, if if you know you want to, if one you want to focus on one and this year, and then focus on the next one the next year, then 
then that's cool too. Whatever, whatever you want. It's, you, you know, people submit multiple things every year if, if they have multiple projects. Um, so yeah, it's totally up to you, Max. Cool. So September is coming up, um, and September and October in particular are the two busiest festival months uh, of the year. Where are you going to be this uh, September and October? Uh, my usual my usual places are uh, the Toronto Film Festival, which is like which is what we consider at South by Southwest the the first programming uh, festival that we program out of. Um, and then from there we go to Independent Film Week in New York, uh, which we have a had uh, a lot of good success finding projects there that will would uh pro, that would uh, fit in with us because usually if they're they're in post production in September in New York, then they're probably not going to make the Sundance deadline. Some of them do, uh, but a lot of those films are are gonna you know the, we're going to be one of the first festivals that they can consider premiering with. So that's a really good uh, programming and. I just like the, the conference in general. Uh, so yes, IFP week, IFP uh, independent film festival week. Uh, uh, that is the next stop. And then we come back for fantastic fest, uh, in Austin. And then, um, I go to Sitges, which is in Spain, which is South of Barcelona, which is one of the, if not the long, lo biggest, uh, longest running genre film festivals in the world. Um, uh, 300 horror films and, uh, on the coast of Spain, it's a it's a pretty good time. I recommend it if you have the means. Um, and then we go from there. It's uh, there's all kind of. Then we kind of split up. You know, Janet will go to different places. Jim's gonna go to IDFA and Jim's you know uh, uh, maybe CPH Docs or uh, Claudette is in you know various short film festivals or or she's coming with us to other festivals. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of traveling, a lot of watching movies in beautiful locations in. In, in small and in, 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 in like you know we're not getting to see the outside world but we're just watching movies all the time uh could be the same dark room in boise or wherever uh yeah totally yeah so do you have any um favorite festivals uh sitges is just a wonderful festival i mean if you love genre film the the the, the, the audiences there are amazing uh the location is this really little idyllic seaside town with cobblestone streets and uh, the audiences are, you know, second to South by Southwest. I'd say. Uh, they, uh, it's just, it's just a fun time. Uh, I love, I love Toronto just because of the quality and in, in the, in the films, uh, you know, I think Colin and, and all those guys just do really great programming. Um, you know, I love Sundance. I love, uh, uh, I love the Busan Film Festival in South Korea where Claudette's going to be on the short jury this year. Um, you know, there's a lot of great film festivals out there. I haven't been to, you know, things like Berlin or Telluride, uh, but I hear those are really good. Uh, and yeah, th those are my favorites. Yeah, well, obviously South by and Fantastic Fest and Austin. And Fantastic Fest, Fest obviously. Yeah. We love Fantastic. Um, how about Hidden Gems? Like the, the one I always like to to sort of go back to is the Oxford Film Festival. Sure, I've never um, been there, but I, I heard great things. I heard great things about Maryland. I've heard good, I've, I've been to the Milwaukee Film Festival, which is awesome, which is like, you know, it, there's, it's, you know, these, these small regional festivals are, I mean, you know, if you live in the town, you should definitely be attending, but, you know, as a, as a, as an attendee who just maybe wants to do like film festival vacations, uh, I mean, you get, you know, it's a lot easier to get into movies. They're they're they're, they're playing films that South Bay and Sundance and all these other festivals have played. Uh, you know, they're they're much smaller and more you know, you know, intimate and. Um, but yeah, there's there's tons of uh, you know examples like that. You know, throughout you know e either it's uh, Sarasota or it's uh, you know AFI Fest in LA or LAFF or you know those aren't really regional festivals, but they're you know. Every film festival, I think, has something to, to share. And then you have, you know, like True False. And, uh, you know, I wish I could go to True False. That just sounds like the best time ever. Doesn't uh, it? I know. True <laughs> I, False and Full Frame are the two that I really need to get my butt to at some point, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of film festivals that aren't fun. I mean, it's, you know, watching films with the people who made them in a room with people who want to be there with, like, you. You know, it's not... You're not at your local Regal where on a, you know, Thursday night where you have people on their cell phones and stuff. It's usually people who want to be there and they love filmmaking. And I mean, love film at least. And uh, 
Yeah. And you have the opportunity to meet the filmmaker most of the time. I mean, yeah, hopefully. Yep. You know, even at the small ones, filmmakers, um, you know, in some number tend to show up. Um, there are a number of, of small festivals that keep popping up in Texas. I mean, not yep. that I've been to most of them, but <laughs> Own Star and Victoria and exactly, yeah, it's crazy. The, yeah, Mar- the Marfa Film Fest. Uh, Marfa, yes, which I have been to, and yeah, it's amazing. Um, I have a follow-up question on uh, Vimeo screeners. Asking uh-huh. Why Vimeo is but what's what's so special about Vimeo? Uh, Vimeo has a feature called Watch Later, um, and you can. It just makes it really easy. I mean, the quality is really good. We like the interface. Uh, and then, you know, so if, if you're submitted, usually most, we, we recommend every film we have is a password protected link. And so, uh, you know, when we add a film to our queue and put the password in and then add, put it to the watch later, we can go on our Apple TV or Roku or whatever you're using and, and look at the watch later list there without re-putting in the passwords. Um, and so it, it really speeds up the process. It makes it, uh, I mean, it, it makes the process doable, um, you know, and then, then we kind of have to deal with all the, the other screeners, which, which we are happy to do. It's just, you know, if we have a preference, it would be Vimeo. Uh, anonymous attendee, uh, we're hearing a lot from that guy or girl, uh, is, <laughs> asks, if a film is rejected one year, do you like it if it's submitted again the following year? If it's a different film, yes. If it's the same exact film that you, ha- like, you're just like, oh, maybe the right person didn't watch it, then probably that's not going to work uh you know we've had every year there's one or two films that submitted the previous year and then you know you know took a step back took our 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 constructive criticism into account and uh you know came back the next year with with the, the film that you know maybe they wanted to actually make and uh and we've accepted it so there's you know we're more than happy to watch additional or, or the film again if if it's changed if there's been you know if you kind of took it apart put it back together if you changed it up a lot if you you know went and shot a additional footage or you know but if it's just you know the same movie with color correction or you know you just did a little bit you know changes then i just wouldn't waste your time you mentioned constructive criticism is there a large number of films that you give feedback to? Uh, we are, I don't know if one of the only festivals, but we definitely are, offer feedback to every film that was submitted to our festival. Um, if you, um, you know, we, we, we offer in April every year. Um, I think this year Claudette gave feedback to over 500 short films. Uh, you know, the features, we definitely did a couple hundred of those between Jim and myself. Um, but yeah, we, we are happy to do that. I mean, we, it's a rare, it's rare that film festival programs get film festival programmers get to work year round, and and we are a few of the lucky ones that get to do that. So, um, and it's a it's a service that we think is invaluable. I mean, we we love doing it because it's it's helping these filmmakers grow. It's maybe, um, you know, maybe we're the only people telling them the you know like giving them honest feedback. Um, you know, I mean, I know whenever I watch a film by a friend or. You know, it, it's hard to kind of give them, you know, the honest truth, you know, to what uh, maybe what you feel. Like you just want to be nice and you just, you know, and we, we hear it time after time. Like, you know, we send back things that you would think people would be upset about. And they're like, thank you. Thank you for telling me that. Thank you for um, for being honest. Thank you for that's going to help me grow as a filmmaker. And those are the kind of people that are going to go on and make films, you know, that are going to find an audience because they're willing to grow and they're willing to listen to outside sometimes critical statements but you know and a lot of times they're like yeah i know that 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 was bad thank you for confirming that or whatever but uh i think it's one of the the coolest things we do is offer feedback how many of your submitters would you guesstimate are first-time filmmakers a lot i mean just based on the uh the number of uh you know we, we played 150 feature films um this year and that, that includes documentaries narratives and docs yes it's, it's a common uh, we play probably it's probably like a you know 80 70 70 it's like a, a little bit more narratives than there are docs uh just based on how it is every year uh 
but those are that number is both docs and narratives and uh a hundred of them are world premieres and i think it was something like 75 of them were first-time filmmakers um wow. so yes we are definitely looking for first-time filmmakers uh you know we want new voices uh so that's you know and you would say that reflects the actual submitters as well i mean 75 percent is definitely high for being well not not 75 percent. i guess it would be more like 75 so 50 percent um uh oh sorry 75 films out of 150 um that's a good question i don't i don't i haven't looked at that as to the number of first-time filmmakers that have actually submitted each year but uh, well it's not something that gets asked as a standard thing i think it's something that has to get just sort of estimated guesstimated no, we, we ask. We ask if it's your oh, first you time. Yep. Well, look at you. <laughs> I would like uh, back-end access to your, uh, your database, please. All kinds of interesting questions could be answered there. Um, and Absolutely. It, it's worth mentioning that uh, South By does not use any of the standard without a box or unless that's changed and I didn't hear about it. It's not changed. We did not use uh, Film Freeway or Without a Box or anything else. Uh, you know, we, we've uh, we have an entire tech department, uh, dozens of people that work year round doing our e-commerce site and our website and our applications and our uh, registration. So we we got we we handle it all in house. And uh, yeah, that's that's what we do. Well, for full disclosure, I should mention that uh, Film Freeway is one of the partners of the Film Festival Secrets podcast. Just keep everything cool. above board. I'm Film sure Freeway, great. Talk to you, but yes, I think uh, lots of programmers have been very happy to see, um, you know, a competitor giving without a box a run for their money. Yeah, now without a box did something else new, maybe I don't know, but yeah, Film Freeway that we looked at, we looked at Film Freeway, and if if we did anything, if we used, you know, a third party. Uh, you know, Film Freeway looks like the way to go. Well, I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that. Uh, we got one last question before we talk a little bit about tacos. <laughs> um, and uh, the Ardley asks, you mentioned the Milwaukee Film Festival. Uh, are there other lesser-known fa- fests that attract programmers from big fests? Oh, that's a good question. I think it, I mean... The big, like, you know, the programmers from Big Fest are usually invited to be on a jury um, just because of the nature of how, how the film festival world works. Uh, there's not a ton of festival programmers that, that I know of that just go and try to find, uh, you know, smaller regional festivals to attend for fun or for programming. Um, so, yes, I think it's just based on, on depends on the, on the festival and depends on what their goal is. If their goal is to, you know, invite industry and programmers to attend and, and be part of their festival. And then yes, I know Milwaukee does that. I know, I know a lot of, you know, Sarah, so any festival uh, is going to invite jury members and, and, and people to talk. And um, yeah, so, you know, as programmers, we're invited all over the place uh, all the time. So uh, and, and programmers do find films that way. I mean, it's it's not um, that common, but it's not super rare either. Sure. Uh, and a really great way to find out if that's a standard practice at a festival you're considering is to go look at their program guide from the previous year. Most of them have a download, you know, of a PDF or something of the program guide, and just yep. look and see who was on their jury. Um, it's a it's a great way to figure that out. Claudette says, last year, filmmakers uh, who said, yes, it was their first feature film, about 1,500 um, out of uh, 2,500 feature film submissions. Yeah, so about 60%. That's, yeah, that's pretty, I mean, it's nice to have uh, hard numbers on for at least one festival. Most festivals tell me, you know, anywhere between um, 50 and 80% of the submissions they get um, are from first-time filmmakers, so... Apparently, we don't ask short filmmakers. Claudette Godfrey, short <laughs> stars and uh, info expert. Thank you so much, Claudette. All right. Well, uh, let me pay pay some bills here for a second. <laughs> I want to mention that uh, this record recording you're listening to is part of the Film Festival Secrets Seed and Spark campaign to uh, – raise funds for a season of episodes like these, which will then become the second edition of the Book Film Festival Secrets. 
please visit getmoresecrets.com to learn more about that and become a contributor. Only contributors will be able to listen to future recordings. So if you had a good time doing this, please consider uh, signing up. And uh, one of the perks that I'm offering is uh, fee waivers to 16, I'm sorry, 17 different film festivals for 200 bucks. And if you multiply, you know, 17 times 30 or 50 or whatever it is, it comes up to much more than $200. So that's a pretty decent deal. Cool. Okay, now tell me about Tacos and the, the book that you're currently writing. <laughs> oh, sure. Tacos are a, a food that is delicious. Tell me more. <laughs> uh, in 2006, uh, Justin Bankson and myself both work at South by Southwest, and we still do work, both work here. Uh, we, this was like pre-Yelp, uh, you know, um, and we were just, uh, you know, the slower days in South by when we had a little bit more free time during the summer. Uh, we would just, you know, every, every day for lunch, we'd try to find a new place to eat, a new taco place, a new burger place, whatever. Uh, and then there is a, a guy in L.A. called uh, Bandito, El Bandito. And he, uh, <clears throat> he had a site called The Great L.A. Taco Hunt. And it was just him going to, to trailers, to, you know, taquerias and... Uh, um, you know, t like writing, writing like real reviews about them. Uh, you know, not just like, you know, a one or two sentences, like really like, you know, looking at the flavors of the, the Al Pastor or how they made the tortillas and like just really taking it seriously. And we, you know, Justin and I both, you know, enjoy reading and writing. And so we're like, Hey, let's, this is great. Like no one else is really doing this in Austin. Let's, let's try. Uh, obviously, you know, the Chronicle has been covering food forever. The state's been, but you know, this was right whenever blogging, you know, was starting to become a thing. And, you know, so we started a WordPress blog and just started writing about taco places. Uh, you know, a couple years later, we won, you know, Best of Austin Award. Uh, you know, we got interviewed by New York Times and, you know, all these different places. And, uh, you know, we just, we just kept going. And then uh, two or three years ago, a, a publisher out of Savannah, Georgia, the History Press, uh, came, uh, came to us asking us if we wanted to write a book about Austin breakfast tacos. And we said, absolutely. And so we wrote that book uh, and had a lot of fun doing it. And, um, you know, it, it ended up being one of the top five bestsellers in Austin that year. And then from that, it was just, you know, you know, the UT Press uh, came calling and said, you know, okay, that was a great book. You guys did great. Uh, what's next? And so our ideas was just, okay, you know, like, I want to know about all the tacos of Texas. And so like all the different regions, like what's different, what's the same, what are the stories? And so we just have been, um, you know, we, we this last weekend was our first weekend of traveling throughout the state. We did uh, Brownsville, McAllen, and Laredo. Um, Brownsville, McAllen being the Rio Grande Valley, and Laredo being another border town. Uh, and we, we hit about 15 to 20 different places in those towns. Where we have a video series that we're putting together that may end up being uh, a short, maybe a some sort of documentary feature <laughs> we have. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Isn't sort of like the snake eating its own tail at some point? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, maybe it'll happen. We'll see. Uh, but we're getting a lot of footage, and it, it looks like it could end up being something bigger than, you know, the book. The book, you know, worst case scenario, we get a book out of it. Uh, and the book is going to be, you know, full of pictures, full of, full of stories, full of tacos. Uh, and... Uh, yeah. You, even, you even include tacos as part of the festival, don't you? Taco. Oh, yeah, we have a taco meetup. We have two taco meetups. Uh, two yeah. taco meetups? Yeah, we have a taco meetup for the first half for Film and Interactive. We have a taco meetup for the music half. Your uh, cup runneth over, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, and then we also have a whole food section. Now we have South Bites, which is a, a programming section that we is a convergence section to open to Film and Interactive badges that. Uh, you know, is a it, one part, uh, you know, curated food trailer parking lot uh, part uh, food conference where we talk to chefs and talk about food and uh, food and tech and all kind of different stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yes. Austin likes people like tacos. It's, it's not a hard sell. Jared, thank you for talking to me about tacos <laughs> and about you. film and South by Southwest. <laughs> this has been a blast. I really appreciate it. Also, thank you, Claudette. Uh, shorts programmer for South by Southwest for chiming in by a text. I appreciate it. Uh, tell people where they can find you online, Jared Meese. 
Uh, I'm I'm Jay Neese, most places, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Can you spell talk, that out for folks? Yeah, sure. J-N-E-E-C-E. Uh, that's Twitter and Facebook. And then uh, the Taco is Taco Journalism. Uh, Taco Journalism is the name of our website. Uh, the Tacos of Texas is the name of our, our most recent book. And then the first book we wrote was Austin Breakfast Tacos, the story of the most important taco of the day. Uh, and then southbysouthwest.com slash film uh, for all the South by related info. And uh, yeah, I'm sure other places too. Jared Neese, uh, senior film programmer and festival producer for South by Southwest. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. You've been listening to the Film Festival Secrets Podcast. I want to thank our guest, Jared Neese, one more time. Please visit the uh, fundraising campaign for the second edition at getmoresecrets.com. Otherwise, you can find me on the web at filmfestivalsecrets.com and on Twitter at FFSecrets. See you next time.